Hi everyone, David Harris with you here for Criminal Injustice with a news bonus. It's the passing of a giant, the death of John Conyers Jr. John Conyers, former congressman from Detroit, died on October 27th. 2019. He had served in Congress from 1965 to 2017. He was the last remaining member of Congress who'd served during Lyndon Johnson's administration, 52 years. Now, before I go any further, I want to acknowledge that Congressman Conyers left office under a cloud. It was found uh, at the at the uh, beginning, really, of the Me Too movement that he had used taxpayer funds to settle a harassment claim against him, uh, and that simply forced him out of office. But there are other things about this man that I think you need to know. Whatever behavior he engaged in there, We could not approve it, of course, but there are some things about him that I want to tell you. Um, Congressman Conyers was the chair and ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee uh, a number of times, uh, and during his long career in Congress, was responsible for some extraordinary changes in the American landscape, and particularly in the criminal justice space, and I had the good fortune to work with him on one of those things. Uh, You may not know this, but years and years before it happened, Congressman Conyers was the one who proposed that Martin Luther King's birthday be a federal holiday. Um, That's the person it came from. Uh, And he was told at the time, as he was so many times in his career, this will never happen, this will never work, we won't do it, etc., etc. Well, he just hung in there, kept putting the bill into law year after year, and what do you know? Now, Martin Luther King's birthday is a national holiday. Uh, maybe more substantively, um, Congressman Conyers is the person who almost single-handedly was responsible for the creation of what we call pattern or practice investigations and authority for the Justice Department to investigate police departments, corrections departments, and other agencies. Um, This was a statute called uh, Section 14141, the Pattern or Practice Statute, and it appears in the now infamous uh, 1994 crime bill uh, that we all know Bill Clinton signed and a certain senator from Delaware, Joe Biden, was a major sponsor of that, along with many others. Conyers used that bill, which increased the size of our mass incarceration problem uh, and did other pernicious things, such as withdrawing the availability of Pell Grants for people in prison to study. Um, But he used that bill as a vehicle for something he'd been thinking about for a long time. He noticed that there was no way that the federal government really had to try to keep local police accountable to the law. And uh, this problem didn't begin in 1994. It's not over now, but he came up with a way of doing it by focusing only on constitutional violations and creating a statute that said basically that any police department that violates the Constitution on a regular basis, therefore the idea of a pattern 
or a practice, a regular practice of violating the Constitution, that is a federal matter. And he used Congress's power under the 14th Amendment to the Constitution to say, look, state and local police, you just can't do this. And he created a mechanism in that statute for the Federal Department of Justice to have authority to go in and investigate when the police were engaging in a pattern or practice of constitutional violations, be it uh, search and seizure, stop and frisk, the interrogation of suspects, whatever it is, they could go in and look for patterns. Not one bad incident, but patterns of conduct that violated the Constitution. And if it was found, the Department of Justice had the power to go into federal court in a civil suit to ask the court for restructuring. In practice, this almost never happened that there was a civil suit. The DOJ would go in, they'd do an investigation, they'd find the problems, they'd propose a solution, and the city and police department would almost inevitably sign on and say, okay, we're going to make these changes. And the changes would be structural. They would be structural. They would not be, you're going to fire this person or you're going to change this rule. It would be changes to the structure of how the department operated, its complaint handling, its search and seizure practices, its stop and frisk practices, anything you can imagine that might violate the Constitution. Conyers created that authority. It was first used right here in Pittsburgh, where I'm speaking to you, uh, in a lawsuit against the city of Pittsburgh and the Pittsburgh police that uh, resulted in a consent decree from 1997 to 2002. Whenever you hear of a city under a consent decree, like Cleveland is now, like Baltimore is now, like other cities have been over time, it all comes from this statute created by John Conyers. Now, my particular story with John Conyers uh, involves a a related subject, racial profiling. Back in the mid-90s, not everybody even knew that term. I was an academic just really starting my career, and I had begun to write about this practice. Um, uh, And uh, I had an article, in fact, in process that kind of figures in this story. Uh, It was the uh, late summer of 1996, I believe. I was called by a friend who was connected to one of Congressman Conyers' staffers, and they asked, would I be willing to come and speak to the Congressional Black Caucus about anything that might be interesting to them? Uh, Now, for those of you who don't know, the Congressional Black Caucus uh, wasn't a formal committee within Congress. It was a group of all of virtually all black congressmen co-founded by John Conyers himself and some others in 1969 to represent uh, their particular interest in helping black communities. And by the time I was called in the 90s, almost 30 years later, they were putting on a yearly conference in Washington, D.C. about legal and other issues of interest to the black community. And I was asked to come and speak. Uh, I said, of course I would. Uh, It was an honor to me. Um, And they said, great, you'll have eight minutes, just like all the other speakers. Uh, I asked, well, what should I talk about? They said, well, do you have anything that you've been writing about? I said, racial profiling. I have an idea about what we should do. And they said, oh, perfect, great. All right, so I show up. 
I have my eight minutes. And during that conference session, there's John Conyers. I'd never met him before, but he was then the chair of the Black Caucus uh, and a real eminence. I mean, he was, uh, he was a person that people clearly respected and deferred to. So I got up, I gave my eight minutes, uh, I talked about the article that would later be published in the Journal of Criminal Law and Criminology, in which I highlighted the problem, described the problem of racial profiling, and proposed that the federal government should require police departments to keep data on each and every traffic stop, just as a way of getting a handle on the problem. If your police department, as so many did, got any federal funding, they would have to keep data and turn it into the attorney general for analysis. And I outlined in that piece, here are the 10 pieces of data that should be kept. Uh, I got up, I talked about that. Uh, I sat back down. And a few minutes later, uh, Congressman Conyers, uh, uh, aide on the Judiciary Committee, where he had a seat, uh, came over and said, the congressman would like to meet you. And he came over and we had a short talk. And he said, I really am interested in your ideas. I'd like you to work with my staff to draft a bill. Now, I don't know if I can get across to you what that would mean in that moment to a fairly new law professor, a person, uh, you know, in the in the early stages of an academic career. I, I was tenured by then, but, you know, uh, to have a congressman, somebody of the stature then of John Conyers, ask for your help, I mean, I would have helped him shine his shoes, honestly, but this was really something to me. And that began a process. I began working with that particular aide that uh, had, had brought us together. And in early 1997, John Conyers introduced the Traffic Stops Statistics Act of 1997. You can still find it uh, if you look in the congressional websites. And that bill did exactly what I proposed in my article. Uh, it was, you know, set in type. I mean, I could see it. It looked like any other proposed bill, but oh my God, he was really going to do this. Now, when it came out, it attracted almost zero attention because, like I said, uh, Congressman Conyers had a reputation of proposing long shot ideas that a lot of times people paid no attention to in the beginning. It was 15 months later, March of 1998, all of a sudden there was action. All of a sudden, the committee, the Judiciary Committee in the House was working on it. Some changes were made to the bill, and it was brought to the House floor. And I watched on C-SPAN as the House voted it out unanimously. I was floored. I really was. And this was all because John Conyers heard an idea from an obscure law professor and said, this is something that we ought to do. And he took it on. That bill did not pass in 1998. It passed the House, but of course a bill has to pass the Senate too because as you might remember, later in 1988, everything went full-time Bill Clinton impeachment and it, everything else stopped. Beyond that, once the bill passed the House, all of a sudden it got all kinds of attention. Uh, it was on NPR. It was everywhere. And uh, all of a sudden the police groups who had been uh, pretty much ignoring it went into action. And they basically killed it even before the weight of impeachment settled on the Senate. So it was two things, not just the impeachment itself. But in every session of Congress 
after that, the Traffic Stop Statistics Act or a follow-up bill called the End Racial Profiling Act, every session of Congress, one of those two bills has been introduced, and it has never passed on the federal level. But I can tell you, it raised the profile of that issue spectacularly. All of a sudden, people were talking about it in a way they had not before. There were two lawsuits, one in Maryland and New Jersey, that were going on. Those lawsuits, all of a sudden people were talking about those, and the New Jersey suit got settled on favorable terms. Um, All kinds of things happened. States passed laws that were patterned on the Traffic Stops Act, um, and it became even a debating point in the 2000 presidential election between Al Gore and George W. Bush. And when Bush was elected in his first speech, to the con- a joint session of Congress, he said, and we are going to end racial profiling in America. Honest to God, I heard it and saw it myself. And this was all because John Conyers saw something that meant something to him and would mean something to his constituents, and he was willing to pick it up and get the ball rolling. I had many conversations with Congressman Conyers after that. He often invited me to hearings where there would be testimony on this or related topics on profiling or other things. And you can probably still see some of the C-SPAN footage archived of yours truly uh, talking uh, um, with Conyers presiding. Um, but, you know, I, don't, I did not want to let his passing go by without remarking upon him. Uh, He did retire with sort of a stain on his record at the very end, and that was kind of a shame. Um, But this was a guy who did things. This was a guy who made a difference in his public service. I want everybody to know that, however complicated or whatever shortcomings he might have had as a human being, uh, there was this part of him too, and we should not forget that. That's it. That's your bonus episode, The Passing of Former Congressman, John Conyers of Michigan. You can always go to our website, that's criminalinjusticepodcast.com, for more bonus episodes, the news of the legal system, more of our full-length interview episodes, and all the other features you've come to expect. We are listener-supported now, so go to our Patreon site and contribute. That's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash criminalinjustice. I'm David Harris, and I'll be back with you next time. Criminal Injustice is written by David Harris, produced by Josh Rollerson, and supported by listener contributions. Go to patreon.com slash criminalinjustice to become a member. Find past episodes, show notes, and more at criminalinjusticepodcast.com. Podcast.